You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs by an artist without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 52, this week's artist, Smashing Pumpkins. Once upon a time in 1979, the boy 17 sat on Cherub Rock and awoke from a daydream, and crestfallen, he wiped a tear from his eye. Today, he felt the everlasting gaze of shame. In wrath, he kicked at a snail who flew like a bullet with butterfly wings off a wildflower into an obscure tarantula. The wound, caused by the snail rocket, made the white spider suffer. So the space boy turned its doomsday clock to zero with a crush of his heel. He fell quiet and decided to go where boys fear to tread. Home to your host, Rob Heitman, Ralph McKinley, and the mayor of Geek USA, Jacob <laughs> Newkirk. Nice. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen podcast, where we talk and rank the Dirty Dozen or top 12 smashing pumpkin songs while discussing their music and pounding back a few brews. I'm Rob. And I'm Ralph. And I'm the mayor, Jake. There he is. <laughs> oh, man. man. You had a lot of uh, good songs to work with this time. To Yeah, it, it worked intro. out that way. It's There's like, some weird song titles for sure. I think some of the other ones where I had to do a story is where I don't know that everybody knows who this artist is. With the Pumpkins, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard of them at Let's some help. point. Yeah. How many so, songs did you hit on that intro? Yeah. Huh. Oh, at least 25. So tell me, uh, Ralph, about the first sure. time you heard Billy Corgan and the uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Early 90s, listening to KROQ, 91X down in San Diego area. They started playing Gish, just really started enjoying it. I had a roommate at the time that was really into alternative music. He brought the album home one time and we just started listening to it. It's like, this album is really, really good. So like early, early 90s, 91, 92. Uh, yeah, for me, it was MTV. I just remember it was probably 94 93 or 94 we just got mtv i begged my mom to get it i just remember i think it was today was the video that was just always in your face all the time and i was heard like that song i was like these guys are weird and then they have this uh asian girl in the band <laughs> i thought it was a girl but uh yeah <laughs> but that was my first introduction and then you know it, there's a, there's a girl in the band who plays bass, but she's but not, not Asian. Asian. No. The Asian, James the Asian guy. I found out later was was a dude. It's all right. We don't well, know. We, we don't know how on. he identifies himself. Yeah, these days you don't know. But he had makeup on, right? And um, you know, dyed his hair. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, for me, it was the same dude. Remember, I, I I've said this in the podcast when we talked about grunge earlier. With even with Soundgarden, the first episode we've ever done. 51 episodes ago. Wow. <laughs> we should redo that one. Yeah, I, I actually thought about that. I was listening. I was like, because the, the sound is so crappy yeah. and everything. And we didn't even actually make a list. We just said, here are our favorite 12 songs in any order. <laughs> so, but anyway, digress. Uh, this guy, Dan Barbuto, who made mixtapes and he was always on the cutting edge. He had everything from sub pop. Mm -hmm. He had everything from all the indie labels. And he had these cassettes and he'd just give me a cassette and I'd be like, man, that's great. And I think I heard, I think it's probably, probably Tristesta off of the predated. Yeah, Sub Pop. The Sub Pop. Yeah, yeah, the Sub Pop. That's mm -hmm. where I heard it. Yeah, that was the first song released on mm -hmm. Sub Pop. The only song released on Sub Pop. So that's where I heard them and I've liked them ever since. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're always very talented. And they're still putting out good music, although arguably it's different now. And they still go back to the originals. Like I, I've seen Billy just on in a concert or doing acoustic. Mm -hmm. over the last five years or four years and he's still playing stuff off of Gish or he's mm -hmm. still playing he's still going back to yeah 
that artist as opposed to we talked about Silverchair a couple weeks ago where they were not like they just they're done they played it they're done they're never going to play that stuff again right so it's quite the opposite with them and uh, kind of like it anyway without discussing a specific song I'll start with Jake this time hmm. what's the one thing you learned about the Smashing Pumpkins in your preparation for this podcast there's a couple of things. I think first of all, the sheer amount of songs he writes for each album, he'd have like 50 or something. They'd trim the fat and like, I was like, man, if I could write just 12 songs for an album, that'd be impressive. But I think the other part that I learned was about his depression. I didn't realize how suicidal and really down he was for a lot of that time. So those were kind of the standout things to me. Ralph? I'm going to jump on Jake's bandwagon. Genius songwriter. And I think he wrote, like Jake was saying, 50 songs during the melancholy time period and just the amount of songs he was pumping out and from 91 to like 99 is just unbelievable and quite a songwriter. Yeah, I think if you look at the catalog, is unbelievable. Like there's a lot of times that people have 300 songs, but there's like maybe 50 good ones. But the one thing that jumped out to me, which is I'm going to go completely off topic. Good. It's not going to be about writing or whatever. Rob, you'd never do that. Shapeshifters. Oh, yeah. Billy Corgan has had a one-on-one -on -one experience with a shapeshifter. Hmm. And I've heard multiple reports of this. The Joe Rogan Joe one Rogan, was where yeah. everybody kind of talked about it, but I also have XM Radio. So I listened to Howard Stern, mm. and that's where it first kind of came up. On the first Howard Stern one, he talked about it. And the second Howard Stern one, he came, kind of went further. And there was stuff that happened after the second Howard Stern interview where he talked to the crew off air. And of course, that got out. <laughs> of course. So evidently, here's the here's the skinny on yeah, this. Yeah, tell me, because I, I, he wouldn't talk about it, the, the one I saw. Yeah, he won't talk about it. Yeah. But according to sources, here's what he believed he saw. <laughs> a shapeshifter who turned into a lizard man, or woman, actually. It's called LSD. <laughs> he said he was completely clean when this happened. And she was <laughs> naked when it happened. She was with the record company, and he turned around, and she changed. And of course, Billy was, what, what's going on? Am I, are you actually doing this? She said, yeah, that's what, the, what I just did. He didn't go any further. At least he didn't do it until we see his book, which is probably vaporware at this point. But he always talks that he's going to have a big tell-all book coming out sometime in the near future. Hopefully it's coming out. If it is, I'm definitely going to read it. And he truly believes that that's legit. And he goes, even if I was completely out of my mind, that's what I believe happened. So it was a record company exec who uh, yeah, showed her. No, who's a lizard? A lizard. The, it's the, the aliens, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm always fascinated by these big stories that people have. Close encounters or things that people truly believe. I remember Dan Aykroyd and, you know, his ghost stuff. And Steven Tyler, yeah. who had the belief, like, water can breathe. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and stuff like that it, it always fascinates me anyway what's everybody drinking today start with you Ralph I'm going with 805 beer thank you Rob 805 which is properly chilled Firestone Walker 805 correct, correct. yeah very good I am drinking Elysian Full Contact Imperial Hazy IPA thank you Jason Weck you left a couple in my fridge so that's what I'm drinking Jake you brought something along too what was that yeah, I don't even know. I just thought it was kind of cheap. Six pack of this IPA, Societe. It's spelled weird. The what did that run you? What was the cost? Uh, it was marked down seven bucks. So that's why nice. I got it for a six pack. And there it's, uh, what, 7.5%. So it's the pupil. Yeah, the pupil Societe. Would you buy it again? Actually, yeah. Good. It's pretty good. Yeah, good. help yourself. There's a, oh, yeah, you're there's a couple right there here. if you want it. And I also brought some gross beer I made. 
Yeah, Jake brought beer that he made in his. Uh, bath- I can't give this stuff away. <laughs> his bathtub. It's great. <laughs> in my toilet. <laughs> I made something special for you in my toilet. <laughs> it's a little crunchy, but it's good. It's called no, toenail beer. It's chewy, not crunchy. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs and we'll share under 20 seconds of each tune, unless there is a specific <laughs> issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, and then we may do a second clip. We've made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search official deals on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to the Smashing Pumpkins. We have also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast the current podcast, so subscribe once and always be updated. Here's how this works. We've each ranked our top 12 Smashing Pumpkin songs and combined them into one list, our official Dirty Dozen. Using these official rankings, we'll count down the songs from 12 to 1. Nice and simple. But before we get going with the list, we'd each like to discuss one song that wouldn't be in our top 12, but we still like to talk about. We call this our song of note. So let's start with, who wants to go first? Let's- I'll go. Ralph, let's go with your song of note. I went with a song off of, I think I'm gonna pronounce this properly, Pisces Iscariot? Yeah, that's fine. There's no question in it, but it's, other than that, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that one threw me there. <laughs> a, a song that was uh, written by Fleetwood Mac, just a beautiful acoustic song. I, I'm just picturing like Billy Corgan sitting on his stool all by himself in the studio with his acoustic guitar. It's called Landslide. Nice. It, was, it was written at Fleetwood Mac, um, 1975. Just enjoy the sound of his guitar, the sound of his voice, and then there's some great guitar work about three quarters of the way through the song that made me pick this song. A song a note. Yeah, the acoustic solo in this is quite good. I yeah. kind of, I liked it. Although I, I'm not as huge of a fan of this song for him, mm-hmm. just because Stevie Nicks. I keep hearing Stevie Nicks, and of the Fleetwood Mac songs that exist, I think this one is definitely near the top. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of change that. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad cover. It's just the vocal complexity of Stevie Nicks. Yeah, I kind of want that. Yeah, but the music is good. Stevie said it's the best version of, of that uh, song that anyone's ever done. Landside, good, good song. So Beautiful song. So let's take a listen to Ralph's song of note. Okay, that's Ralph's song of note landslide off of Pisces Iscariot? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> no, it's all good. All good. Uh, so, Jake, what's your song of note? Mine was also off of Pisces Iscariot. <laughs> it was a song called Crawl, actually, but it was from the Gish Sessions, so it was like an outtake from there. But um, That was on the deluxe edition, I think, right? Um, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. All good, yeah. Got a cool, like, a Middle Eastern vibe to it. There's some tabla drums in there, really cool in the outro part. So it, it kind of stood out to me, but it didn't seem strong enough to throw in with, like, the top 12, but I, I thought it was noteworthy. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a great acoustic song. So let's listen to Jake's song of note, Crawl, off of Pisces Iscariot. Off of Pisces Iscariot, Jake's song of note. Jake, that's a great tune. I, I've got yeah. like 
when I did this deep dive into Smashing Pumpkins over the last month, I think I've had about 85 songs on my Spotify playlist. And as I did this deep dive, I'm now up to like 125 songs. And that was definitely one that was yeah. added to the list. It, that's Never heard that song up until about a month ago. So excellent choice. Same, yeah. So good. I want to talk just briefly about Machina and Machina 2. Mm-hmm. Machina was their kind of swan song where Jimmy Chamberlain came back in the band. Mm. And they originally wanted it to be a double album, but the record company said, no, we're not going to do it. So Machina, Machines of God was released as a single album, right? Although they had two albums of material. So what they did is they released Machina 2, and you can still get it today. Mm-hmm. You can get it at archive.org, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. So check that out. It's free on the internet for their fans to share. Mm-hmm. So they kind of just released all the rest because they said, we're going to disappear now. So let's just take it. Here you go. Have fun. Share it. And one of the songs on that album is my song of note, Machina 2. And it's Cash Car Star. The drumming is fantastic. The nice chordal and ambient lead guitar stuff that's happening. Big open power chords. Not surprising that I like that. (laughs) Uh, Not really deep lyrically, but this isn't really about the lyrics for me. I love the feel. My head has to move back and forth on this one. It's a big Jimmy show-off song, really. It's about the promise of becoming a rock star. And I do not like the reimagined version that is on Spotify. Just a sidebar. This sounds completely different from that. The BPM is different and a lot of things are different. Uh, anybody else have anything on? Yeah, this is kind of a little obscure if, if you haven't downloaded that album. Cash Car Star off of Machina 2. Let's take a listen. This is my song of note. That's my yeah. song. I know. Jimmy's pushing that song. Yeah. Is Chamberlain one of the better drummers over the last 30 years? Technically, he was a big band drummer when he started. Jazz? Yeah, jazz, jazz. influence. Yeah. So when he came in, he was really good. And some of the chops that, I mean, you, you can talk to this more than I can, yeah. but he's phenomenal. Yeah, he accents Billy Corgan's stuff nicely. So I think them two together really are the band. What he brings into it is his own taste and flavor and just kind of reinvents what a probably a regular drummer, rock drummer would do. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go jump in to the Dirty Dozen. Here we go. Ralph, you're going to take the lead on number 12. Okay. This is off the airplane flies high. Nobody else had it on their list but you, and you had it high on your list as number four. This is the number 12 song overall, Transformer. Transformer, excellent. So no one else had it on their list. No. As I said, there's a lot of songs, so. Yeah. The thing I love about Transformers, it's a pretty straightforward, simple song. But one thing Billy Corgan does great is got like a second guitar going on inside the song that you can obviously hear, but it's just kind of in the background. And I'm always listening, thinking, is that a guitar or is that a synthesizer? And Transformer has that throughout most of the song, and it's just, just a great song. There are nine rhythm guitar parts playing simultaneously playing like three notes <laughs> during the chorus yeah, yeah, yeah. he's really, all about you, that wall right, of yeah. guitars yeah. all the yeah the many many tracks yeah for me it had a good groove with the bass and drums Correct. to start off yeah uh, but it really didn't sound like a smashing pumpkin song to me this is probably the only song period i think that i had a mild issue with uh being at four on your list piss off <laughs> that's okay <laughs> number four like, it sounded like pil with billy singing 
good. I'm not a huge fan of some of the swells in the back half, but initial groove yeah. and the bass and the foundation of the song is really good. And it's a solid song. I just had more of a placement point of view. Like I wouldn't have had a problem if you put this at 10 on your list. The fact that it was in the fourth greatest Smashing Pumpkin song <laughs> of all time was more my issue with it. That was all. You're lucky you're eight feet away. Otherwise, I'd kick you in the street. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be transformed. <laughs> but yeah. yeah no. listen, listen to the secondary instrument and tell me guitar or synthesizer on this one. Okay. Jake, you have anything on this one? No comment. I'm, I'm closer to Ralph. He might kick me. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. Smart man. <laughs> All right. Let's listen to Transformer off of the airplane flies high. Let's take a listen. That was Transformer, the number 12 song on our countdown. Good tune. Good start. At least on my list it is. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now let's move on to number 11. This song wasn't on my list, but after listening to it, I may have screwed up. Uh, this is this song was really really good. Is that recorded? That yeah, recorded? I know. Th- this happens from time to Cash time. Up. This is not on Ralph's list. This is not on my list, but it's on Jake's list. Oh, okay. And it's Jake's number four. And this is oh, off yeah. of a digital forty-five on the opposite side of the G L O W track in two thousand eight. And the name of the song is Super Christ. Yeah. I guess let me set this up because. I never paid much attention to Smashing Pumpkins. Like, there's a few songs I like just because of radio, but most of the the catalog kind of I, I just overlooked and, and didn't care much for. I think it was in around 2008. I came across this music video and was watching it. And I'm like, man, this is heavy. This is really cool. And there's this like it's really long intro, really like stoner rock riff oriented, really heavy mm-hmm. stuff with like this hippie playing bass, this old man hippie. And I was like, what is going on? I realized it was a Smashing Pumpkins song. And I was like, I don't know where this song came from, but I don't even know how I came across the video, but I came across it and I loved it. And to this day, it's been one of my favorite Smashing Pumpkins songs. So what's cool is it, it shows a side and a capability that they don't showcase enough, in my opinion, what I would like to hear. Kind of reminds me of Jesus Christ pose, some Soundgarden. It's a very Soundgarden ass. Yeah. It's a face melter. It's like heavy monster groove. Jimmy's drums in this. He's Are, just, it's, it's he's just a machine. Yeah. Um, the video is bizarre, really weird. I recommend uh, everyone go on and check it out. It's just, it's, you got to see it. Yeah. It was written during the Zeitgeist sessions, but Billy didn't, wasn't comfortable putting it on the album. He kind of wanted to see what would happen if they played it live. And they started playing it live and it really became a staple of their shows. Yeah. Yeah. And then they finally went and physically recorded it and they put the video on their MySpace page. Uh, oh, maybe that's right. This was their first uh, song released independently since they were signed, I guess, without any record label whatsoever. Oh. This is their first Smashing Pumpkins that they just put out on their own. This one song actually was initially released on a compilation from Guitar Center, <laughs> which was only available in Guitar Center, which is Fresh Cuts Volume 2. So if you have that, it's worth a lot of money. <laughs> All right. And then the, the glow later on. The whole lyrics of the entire song, revolution, dissolution, rise, yeah. one solution, one that takes you beyond this love, am I, for I need time. That's the entire lyrics for the yeah, song. But it's a long song. It's it's like, only yeah, it's really long. It's like seven minutes <laughs> wow. long. But it's thunderous guitars, and but the drums, it's, it's all about the drums. 
the breakdown in this song I like a lot because all of a sudden it's coming from this really craziness that's happening. And then it goes into this orchestral sort of string thing in the bridge. And you wouldn't think that could possibly work, but it does. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's great. So Yeah. I almost put this up as my number one, but kind of had to be no uh, guts. fair with no it. Guts, yeah. No guts, no glory. <laughs> I was just thinking of the uh, the fairness of all the songs and weighing the commercial side of it as well as um, yeah, yeah. my own preference. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is not streaming for anybody trying to listen to this on our streaming stuff. You got to get it on, uh, either find it somewhere. You can go and get the Glow Digital 45, I think, still on iTunes. Not I- Apple Music, but iTunes. Or you can find it on YouTube. Yeah, go watch the video because it really brings things together. It's all about that that old man hippie who's playing bass, <laughs> who's who's from um, a band called The Seeds. Okay. Actually, I found out later on. Well, I wrote it down. Yeah, it's, they were like a psychedelic rock band. Um, I guess considered the prototype for garage punk. I always thought it was maybe like like Jimmy or somebody wearing like a wig or something. No, Billy Corgan is a fan of different bands growing up, obviously, but um, I guess the Seeds was a big influence on him. And this guy, Sky Saxon, is his name. On okay, this. yeah. And then someone playing tambourine also from that band, but yeah, it's weird. The tambourine's the important part. Yeah, that's skill. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's listen to Super Christ, the number eleven song on the countdown off of the Glow. Digital 45. Check it out. Number 11, Super Christ. (laughs) I know why Jake picked it. Excellent drum work in there. Uh, yeah, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, I know I Jake love this song. There's just so much going on, too. Like the song, like you said, it, it just develops and kind of takes some different turns. And, but yeah, it's heavy. So, number 10. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. This is the last song that only one person had on their list. Somebody had it number three. Not me. This <laughs> is off of the album The Lost Highway. Oh, no. And the name <laughs> of the song is I. You guys don't have this in your top 12? No. <laughs> Are you joking? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Great electronic you. song here. Yeah, so I remember this song coming out. It was a pretty big hit on K-Rock back in 86, 87, I think it was. Billy was working with Trent Reznor and, sorry, who's... who's Probably David Lynch, I'm assuming. Uh, he's the guy who directed the movie and Trent Reznor was in charge of the soundtrack. But before there was even a Lost Highway, Billy wanted to submit this somewhere else. He actually submitted this whole track as an audition beat, actually, for Dr. Dre and Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, really? Which, which is kind of the interesting thing. The fact that I could hear Shaq singing the song. I think it would be uh, better if he did. <laughs> <laughs> he brought a couple of songs to David Lynch, who was the producer of the movie. And then, obviously, mm-hmm. Trent Reznor was taking care of the music in the movie. And he gave him a couple of songs. He gave and, him Tear. Yeah, Tear, correct. And they're like, hey, do you have anything else, maybe? So he obviously came up with I, right up Trent Reznor's alley. And I think Trent kind of took the song and helped him just tweaked it a little bit and gave it that uh, Reznor effect. I think this is the first one where Corgan tested out. So it sounds harpsichordy. The keys he's yeah. using, right? And the melodies that Billy comes up with, he's still really good at melodies, and you can see that in this. 
the chorus is catchy and the vocals are like melodically haunting almost. It's really kind of cool. Especially for this time. He was getting sounds out of that synthesizer that were were very unusual and very cool. And this was the first song that they released after firing Jimmy. Yeah. Is this a drum machine, you think? Sounds like it could be a drum machine. Yeah, I think it is. Which is why Jake loves it. It, I know. I'm I'm trying not to be too critical on this one but come on it sounds like Hit me hard that sounds like cheap fruity loop soccer that's right? also ah, the name of my ah, sex tape by the way fr- cheap fruity loops <laughs> no hit me hard <laughs> do, you remember, fruity loops. do you remember fruity loops did you ever use that fruit loops no fruity it was like some software where you could like put some beats together and make some oh no i have not yeah no. well okay yeah maybe it's lost on some people that's why i didn't want to throw that out there it just obviously this was like the beginning of a lot of the electronic yeah. endeavors it just to me this it felt contrived kind of just yeah. like it was um just not what really was in him or what what he should sound like all right let's listen to our number 10 song i off of the lost highway let's listen this is about my eye, man. <laughs> Hit it. Is it in wonder I can't sleep? Our hands are getting to me. Is it in wonder I found Okay, that's our number 10. I off of the Lost Highway soundtrack. Yeah, good tune. I, I like the electronic layering. He just adds another layer, sings a verse, and adds another layer. So, and that's a Trent thing. I mean, like if you yeah. listen to, to yeah. Nine Inch Nails, which you're wearing the shirt, which is props for you. Mm, yeah. uh, but as he moves on through the song, it's very much he builds and builds and builds on it. Every verse it goes, and it's kind of following that same formula, which makes sense because Reznor is really in charge of the soundtrack for this album. He had to have influence a little sure. bit over Billy, yeah. which is probably not the most comfortable space Billy's ever been because <laughs> he yeah. doesn't like giving control of anybody. He is a control freak. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to our number nine. There's only one idiot who did not have it on their list, and that would be me. Oh, (laughs) Uh, Not that it wasn't on my list at some point in time. This is one of the ones that kind of flew on and off my list, but ended up off in the end of the day. The name of the song is Siva off of Gish. Mm, So, Jake, you have it a little bit higher. You had it at six, so why don't you lead off here? Yeah, this was the first album single, right? Really catchy song, cool arrangement. It's kind of that loud, soft dynamic and signature guitar tone that would come to define the band's overall sound. In parts of it, it reminded me of the Chili Peppers, but it might just be kind of from the the time. Well, they played with the Chili Peppers initially, right? On their first tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah? With Siva, yeah. Wow. At one point, Pearl Jam and the Smashing Pumpkins were opening up for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Go figure. Hmm. (laughs) Ralph, what do you think? Great song off of Gish. There's a kind of a double guitar sound going on to to start the song off. Great lead guitar work throughout the song. The tempo shifts, like Jake mentioned. It's one of the better songs on Gish. Billy originally wanted this to be called Shiva, Mm -hmm. because the tantric concept of Shiva and Shakti are opposing masculine and feminine forces. But he also realized that the name is more readily connected to the Hindu god, Shiva. Yeah. And he really didn't want to offend everybody. So he removed the H from that. So it's Siva, and that's how he came up with that. And he actually admitted that he came up with the name of the song before he even began to write it. Interesting. The solo itself is kind of meant in the song for me, but 
I love, love, love the guitar riff in the beginning. And it almost has that Lenny Kravitz sort of feel sound in the, one of the guitars going on. And the aggression and the riff right before the bridge is great. But I think at the end of the day, what pushed it down was the solo. And the down section is way too long. It was over a minute. And it was just too long. So at the end of the day, yeah. when, you're, when you're picking hairs at my 12 and 13, that's what kind of pushed it over. It's a common theme. I think a lot of these songs, when I was listening through, I was like, this is just too long. A lot of these songs, I just felt like it was just too long. Yeah. But it's a really good song, and it's our number nine song overall. The tempo shifts are great in this. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that because you don't hear that anymore with the Pro Tools world. And the fact that they kind of flow with it. And uh, Billy even said when they brought new drummers on after Jimmy left, he's like, no, 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 you're, you're playing too perfect. <laughs> we don't want mm. you to play perfect. You got to ebb and flow with your BPM as the song goes. Yeah. As opposed to what everybody does nowadays, which is strict metronomes metronomes yeah. yeah yeah good luck following chamberlain on the drums <laughs> yeah no doubt all right let's listen to siva off of gish the number nine song of all time by the smashing pumpkins That's number nine, Siva off of Gish. So good. How come you didn't have it? As I said, it was <laughs> this. This was your number eleven. It wasn't like you were number two. So, but <laughs> you know, it was it was like my number thirteen or fourteen. It made the list. I know, I know. It's a good song. The next song you didn't have on your list, and you should have had on your list. <laughs> so, Payback's uh, a bitch. <laughs> so let's move to number eight. This uh, Jake and I both had on our list off of mm. the Siamese Dream album. The name of the song is Disarm. Yeah. This was my number four, and Jake's number nine, and Ralph left it off. It's I our number eight that. overall. A great acoustic hook. Acoustic strum combined with that bell hit makes it mm. like t- so identifiable. I love the vocal over the acoustic. It's just so good. It's a bit theatric with the strings, but nobody was really doing that level of production, especially in the grunge, quote-unquote, space. His sense of melody in the song is great, and you know a song is good if you can just play it acoustically, but still play it heavy, like they did at the Music Awards in MTV MTV Music Awards in 94, where he was just like, ah, it was great. It scared the hell out of people, because they just thought he was going to come up there and do, because he didn't want to play that. And they're like, no, no, you have to play that song. So we have electric set up. What do you want me to Okay. We'll play it. Yep. <laughs> Here you go. Which is cool that they could be like, last minute, be like, let's reinvent this song and do yep. it a whole different way. Yeah. Um, Billy said in an interview saying, disarm, I really never had the guts to kill my parents, so I wrote a song about it instead. <laughs> it's a very dark song. You also said, this is about my childhood and how I turned into an a-hole. <laughs> There's also some interpretations out there that this is actually about abortion. Oh, I've heard of that. Uh, which is not necessarily, Billy never said that, yeah. but- if you look at it with those lens with some of the lyrics in it, you can kind of see that. So I'm not saying that's what it's about. I mean, they've always been kind of cryptic about what it's actually about. Billy's never like, this is what you should get from my song. And this is what it's about. If you get, he's not like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was very, uh, a black and white video too. So it was kind of dark in that aspect. So, uh, Jake. Yeah. I remember I could talk about MTV and the the videos and this was one that was on all the time. So I think the song for me got tired 
it, that was because of the excessive MTV play, but I've come to appreciate it in the dynamics later. Like I said, the bell tones, all these things that kind of the subtleties that make the song really come out. Because without all this other orchestration and all that stuff, it's it's a good song, but those things really kind of kind Lift of brought it, it up. Yeah, and I think that really helps to complement the emotion that's going on in there. Yeah, it's really it's so dark and so mm-hmm. like from his soul, he's seeing out whatever he's seeing out. Yeah, that used to be a little boy line is like the the big catch, right? That's mm-hmm. the thing. That, so you have anything to add? Big hit for Smashing Pumpkins. It is a good song. You know, good acoustic tune. Just um, heard it too much, maybe. Yeah. No, I get that. A little overplayed, but, but it's still a very good tune. So here's number eight. Disarm off of Siamese Dream. Uh, here's number eight. Disarm off of Siamese Dream. Alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> I love you more than I did the week before. I discovered alcohol. Anyway. Sorry, kids. Would you please ignore that you found me on the floor? (laughs) Clicking on your camisole. Anyway, let's go. number eight by the way disarm one of the things i love that he always does is those ascending lines musically and obviously he's doing with strings there and later with guitar but when he gets to build the emotion it, it really yeah. helps yeah. and it just flows over and i love that mm-hmm. love that love that the next one ralph is going to take the lead on although two people had it on their list okay that was me and Ralph, mm-hmm. and Jake did not have it on his list at all. This is off of Gish, mm. and it's Ralph's number one song. Oh, you guys are killing me. Wow. I am one. So why don't you take the lead on this, my friend? So, Robbie, you can appreciate this. The first song on the first album. I, yeah, I kind of saw that. I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I am one. This song, when I started doing all this Smashing Pumpkins studying, this was about three or four on my list. And as I got closer to coming over here about a week ago, all of a sudden I'm like, this is the number one song for me. This is the best song they've ever written. I'm just picturing Billy's probably 21, 22 at the time that he wrote this. And I'm like, man, to write a song like this when you're 22 years old, This song is just an excellent song. Guitar work, obviously. James Aha got writing credits on this one. There's very few songs that Corgan co-wrote with anyone, but this one (laughs) is written by Corgan and James Aha, so... So kudos to him. Well, this is their first song ever, and that was before yeah. the the dictator had it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, the first single was released in 1990, which he did independently and paid for using his leftover tuition funds that yeah. his grandmother had left him. Yeah, the drums, so good. The bass kicking. Nice feel when the guitars kick in. I like the solo, you hear uh, both guitars if you're listening to yeah. stereo. And I love the wah, actually, in this, because it was just different. Good vocals, simple lyrics, good melodies, and I especially like the etherealness of Am I As I Seem when he goes into that section. Mm. Good tune. It was on my list. It was not my number one, <laughs> but Where'd you I, have this? I, I had it at the bottom of my list, but it was still on okay. my list. It was my number 12. I don't know if you mentioned oh. this, but like the, the guitar solos, there's, there's two different solos going on. A lot of times you'll hear 
two guitars going on and they're playing the same solo, but this is two different solos going on at the same time, which is a very cool. And the tonality of the guitars, if you listen to her, quite different. Yeah. Was so. it not Billy doing both tracks? Double guitar. Oh, actually, solos? actually, it was Gish, so it must be both Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're I both Billy. Double tracking. He just yeah, did two that's, different. That's probably tracks. true. You're, you're absolutely probably right. That's cool too. That's that's a really cool thing to hear. And but the tone of the guitar was so different. You yeah, think it would be two people, right? Exactly. Right? It does sound like like you said. It's like one left ear, right ear kind of thing. And once again, his voice on this is excellent. Yeah, it, yeah. I had this on my list at one point, so I totally get it. It's it's a good song. Great drum groove, like you mentioned, Rob. And Ralph will always pick the first song. That's true, yeah. (laughs) I got something about first songs. (laughs) All right, so let's listen to I Am One off of Gish, the first single ever by the Smashing Pumpkins and our number seven. Okay, that's number seven. I am the one. Shame on of you Gish. guys for not having good that. Tune. No, good one. tune. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think it needs to be number one, but I think it needs to be on the list. So I'm, yeah, I'm with not it. number one, but a good tune. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, okay, next, uh, let's move on to number six. Ralph and I had it on our list. Jake did not. Uh, Ralph had it much higher. This is off of the single soundtrack. The name of the song is Drown. And like Rob mentioned, single soundtrack from 1982. Which I uh, love, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, great soundtrack, great movie. Mm-hmm. Once again, this is all about the tempo changes in the song. And there's there's a very nice, clean guitar, mellow sound that's about two and a half minutes into the song. That's just really, really cool on this. And when it originally came out on the singles, soundtrack it was an eight minute song and the last three and a half to four minutes is just a distortion guitar solo mm-hmm. with an ebo and maybe you can tell me what an ebo is in a little bit but like it i found it really hard to find that it's a tool that's a little blue light a, 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 a little thing you can put over it and it pretty much vibrates the string yeah. it really does and that's pretty yeah. much all it does it's yeah. a very very cool it looks sound like this little it, u thing that they have yeah, just a little light shines and it goes yeah it just vibrates the yeah. so for the longest time i couldn't find the extended version but i just recently found it on the gish deluxe edition tempo changes and it just shows like the growth of of corgan's songwriting uh from from the gish album yeah for me the single soundtrack kind of wore out my tape deck at that yeah, point totally yeah i love the ascending riff as i talked about and the turnaround such good harmonies in the song I love the way they kick that fuzz on and hit it hard for a bit. Yeah. The guitar soundscape in the song, like you mentioned before, is really good. But anyway, uh, love this tune. Yeah. Drown off of the single soundtrack. The number six song overall. Let's take a listen. Wow. Six. I thought that the version on the single soundtrack was a minute too long, but I love it still. So I don't know if I want to go with the eight minute version. That's coming from a guitar player, huh? I know. I sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when they go, when they just go off too much, if it's a blues song, I yeah. let it be 20 minutes. I'm fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's a great song though. I love it a lot. 
Vanessa said. Big fan of that. All right, next song, uh, number five. This was on my list and Jake's list, but Ralph didn't have it on his. This is off of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. This was my number three in Jake's middle of the road. Uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Okay. Uh, the opening lyrics pull you in with some really great drumming, actually. The world is a vampire and it just kind of takes off. I like how the soft verse and the heavy chorus thing happens. It works so well. The lyrical hook and the chorus works well. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. The bass opens up the second verse with like a thunder groove. I really, I really love it. Uh, the screams work well into the bridge and the vocal hooks are just amazing throughout the song. Love the down chorus and then they hit you with that scream at the end. Yeah. It's all about the pain that comes from being a rock star in, in his little cage that he has to perform or do whatever he has to do. In the video, interesting. The uh, big video for this song, and uh, this won a Grammy for them, uh, Best Hard Rock Performance. In the video, he had hair. Billy Corgan slid his hair. <laughs> Good but, point. But when it was released, he cut all his hair off. And ever since, he's been bald. Yeah. So there you go. Just a little sidebar. So sidebar. But really, really a great song. An iconic song. And I couldn't see not having it on their list. I can kind of see that. You know, I, I wrestle with the song because lyrically, it's lame to me. Yeah. And it's redundant lyrically. But, um, but there are specific instances where there's iconic lyrics in there. Yes. Whether or not they make sense. Totally. In the, and like you said, too, kind of having the context of, of what the lyrics mean, it helps to kind of make it not so uh, cheesy. But also, they're easy sing-along words. And I think there's something to be said about that, too, for radio songs that someone can just sit here and be like, yeah, rat in a cage, you know, sing along to that and just shake their fist or whatever. Musically, it's solid, though. And, yep. and I agree with you. The intro is really cool with the toms, and then he kind of brings in the snare hits to, to build that tension. The chorus is whatever, but I do like the parts, like you mentioned, where he screams cage. Really uh, like that, the peak of the song right there when it hits. I had to include it somewhere, and it, it is a good song, even though lyrically I have some issues, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you can go at, look at this thing at one way and say, listen, I'm not going to put any pop songs in there. I don't care. Totally, yeah. Uh, but the reality of it is... This had to be... Certain songs that just have to make yes, it. Yes, and this was one. And this is one of them, yeah. <clears throat> good song, good hit song for them, but I, once again, maybe I just heard it too many times, but... Yeah, no, I, I get, get it, that. yeah. Did you guys, this might be a sidebar, because I was just thinking of this video with when he had hair and he looked kind of boyish. Did you guys watch Small Wonder? Do you remember that show with yeah, yeah. Mickey the Robot? Yeah. Remember no. Jamie the yeah. brother? Yeah. I always thought he looked just like that really? kid. Really? That's funny. Like, I, I always thought he kind of does, actually. That, that I didn't kid even ever, grew never up ever to be Billy Corgan. Uh, I, yeah, I thought he was the same dude. That's funny. <laughs> this is the number five song overall, uh, Bullet with Butterfly Wings off of the Melancholy album. So let's take a listen. I'm just going to sing it. I can't find it. No, I can't. I'm just kidding. Please don't. I'm going to sing it now. <laughs> just plug your nose when you do it. <laughs> the world is a vampire. <laughs> All right, let's listen. I love like that little nuance, like if you listen to right there, that you guys probably won't hear it, I'm sorry, but there's a little guitar 
ambient stuff that's happening in the background that really fills that space up. Yeah. Which isn't up front, but it's just so rich and so good. So anyway, that's our number five bullet with butterfly wings off of the melancholy album. Melancholy. I am so jolly it's melon. <laughs> and the infinite sadness. Yes, the infinite sadness. What is infinite sadness anyway? What is that? Anyway. All right, uh, let's stick with that album. And Ralph, you will not stick with that album because it's not on your list. Mm. But for me, this next song is my number two and Jake's number three overall. Good, good. The name of the song is Zero. Mm. Amazing heavy riff. I love the groove. It's just crunchy deliciousness. That's what I put. I love the double drum hits. Right by emptiness is loneliness, and loneliness is cleanliness, mm. and cleanliness is godness, and God is empty, just like me. I love that, where he kind of just, uh, that dead space, oh, so yeah. good. Good songwriting. His self-loathing that I'm zero, I'm empty, his dealing with whether God is real or not, save your prayers, you're really going to need him, that sort of stuff. He was really, really bad at this point. You know, he was really in his depression, and he goes, I never let on that I was on a sinking ship intoxicated with madness you know when he's talking about that stuff it's like mm. he's just like thinking about times he wants to jump out a window he's all this weird stuff that's going on in his head zero was just a, such a heavy song but not just musically yeah. jake it's your number three so keep going yeah i like this riff a lot i think that's really what the catch of the whole thing is there's a really cool kind of spastic guitar solo at at the end that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense but it fits and probably because of the song the the context of the song it, it kind of just complements the whole thing the video is kind of bizarre and creepy another wall of guitars like we talked about before it's just in the the whole the production of it just sounds really rich and, and i always good. love the heavy 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 guitars when they yeah. pull it off yeah so this is this is up there for sure so Ralph, good song, good hit for them. Once again, there's underlying, I don't know if it's a synthesizer or a guitar work, but just underlying musicianship that's going on during this song that I love. So a very good tune. Yeah, it's amazing. So let's listen to the number four song overall, Zero, off of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. That's number four, zero. Good tune. Yep. So let's move to number three. This song is on Jake and mine as well. This is lower on mine. This is Jake's number one song overall. Wow. Off of Siamese Dream. And the name of the song is Cherub Rock. Yeah. Wow. You hear that snare roll and you know instantly what song this is. Yeah, it's like it's, a drum roll. It's yeah. Like a, yeah, it sets up this song. The intro builds so nicely. And then I think the moment that it drops right into that perfect groove just feels good. The whole song just kind of settles in and it's just that groove. The wall of thick guitar that we always talk about, you know, Corgan always does. I love the pre-chorus of vocal swell on this too. It's really, really good. Yeah, yeah the, it's it's just, it's a good tune. And uh, I had some friends who were in like a, a grunge cover band. They're called Grunge Monkeys and they would do this <laughs> song and it's like the only Smashing Pumpkin songs they, they did, but it was just so good to hear this song because there's something about it that just feels good right when it lays into it. Yeah. Yeah, Billy said, I was suicidal and I'd been plotting my death for about two months. And every time you read anything about the warning signs of suicide, 
Uh, one of them is you start giving away your stuff, and I had started giving away all my stuff. I gave away all my records. Yeah. I started giving away mm. my guitars. I was fantasizing about my own death, and I started thinking about what my funeral would be like and what music would be being played. I was at that level of insanity. This is just, once again, on this album was Billy and Jimmy. Billy playing everything but the drums. Who Wants the Honey? You know, a great solo. His vocal attack on Tell Me All Your Secrets is so good. The great thing about this is it attacks two types of people in the music industry. The hipsters, who only like a song until it's popular, and then they hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... <laughs> Never been called a hipster. <laughs> oh, that's offensive. Yes, I didn't call anybody anybody. I don't know, know what you're talking about. You gave me a... uh, but if it's in your heart and that's what you feel, I understand. Uh, and the record industry, you know, it's a big yeah. F off to both of those people. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, the song, it just feels good. That's all I can. That's if you had to say one sentence about it. And once again, it's one of these songs that if I was listening to this podcast, I'd have to hear this song on there mm-hmm. somewhere. And you had it, you're number one, and good for you. Number one. Slow clap. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Excellent song. It's definitely in my top 15, so it just slid out of my top 12, but um, a very, very, very good song off of Siamese Dream. All right. Let's listen to our number three overall, Cherub Rock. That is a good guitar riff there. It just feels good, right? Uh, There's something about when it settles in and locks in, you're just like, oh my God, this is it. I may have this missed is the that groove. One. Yeah, it's great. Like the way that that intro builds. Mm-hmm. You think it's going to, that little bit is the riff for that little bit. And it no. keeps going, it keeps yeah. growing, and it keeps growing. And then there's like three or four of then them. And it's release. And it just, like, and it comes out. And he's yeah. just like, so good. I, yeah. I just, I love that. Anyway, but, our yeah. number three, and we're almost to the top here. Mm. We have two left. We haven't hit a triple yet, have we? We will on the next one. Okay. Oh, good setup. <laughs> so you very good. <laughs> the next one is our one and only triple. Okay. Uh, this is off of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. It's 1979. Okay. So Jake, you have the highest number on here. <laughs> Ralph and I had it at number seven. Both of us matched at number seven on this one, but you have it as number five. Yeah. So uh, why don't you lead off? It's a good but simple song. Yeah. It's kind of a coming of age. Like if you know, it it was right. Him talking about the year he was, what, 12? I think. I don't know what he said about the time. But musically, though, the the prominent use of like the loops and samples. And I think this song is probably to blame for that Adore album because he kind of probably dabbled in this and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do right. all of yep. this. But besides just being kind of a, a good, simple, feel-good song, as a drummer, I always kind of appreciated the hi-hat accents that Jimmy Chamberlain does on some of those upbeats. So he can kind of take a straight, simple song and add some of that subtle flavor that we talked about before. Wh- whereas most drummers would just play this straight, it, it just adds that the, the elements that kind of make it um, different without even noticing it. But it really is just its a good song, simple, but it feels good. Yeah, so this is probably their biggest hit, I think, 1979. 
It's the second single from their Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness album. And as far as the big, big hits, I think this song resonates the most with me. So it's just, just a very well-written, poppy song. It, this was the last song actually written for Melancholy. Yeah, true. Good point. And they actually did, were not going to include it on Melancholy. And he gave Billy 24 hours to make the song better, which I find a lot of those big songs, no matter they what, they end up being last talking, minute additions. Last right? minute additions. Yeah. It's like, this is probably not going to make the album, but if you can make it work in 24 hours, right. or 24 hours to bring me something And then like, it's the hit. Yeah. And it's the biggest song yeah. on the album, one or at least of the, one what, of them. 57 songs that he wrote during this time period. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, strangely upbeat for a uh, pumpkin song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's one of the most identifiable songs, like you said. He said, Corgan says, this song emotionally connotates a feeling of waiting for something to happen, not being quite there yet, but it's just around the corner. Although 1979 was only used because it rhymed better than any of the other years he wanted to use. Because <laughs> nine rhymes good with some of the nine. stuff that he wanted to talk in there. So uh, The uh, simplicity of songwriting. <laughs> what number was that? Uh, this is number two. <laughs> Uh, this was nominated for two Grammys, Record of the Year, and Best Rock Performance. Yeah. Really good song. And this is our only triple hit. Hmm. Once again, with a band like the Smashing Pumpkins, there are 125 songs on yeah. your final list Big or whatever. Catalog. Yeah, so And there's 300 songs net-net or 400 that they have. So it's... The fact that we can get a song that each of us had on our list, you know that's big. And that we're matching so much that we are individually, Yeah. whether it's me and Ralph or you guys or whoever, in top 12 out of all of that, hmm. which is, it's amazing, really. I would so, have thought, though, that, I don't know, with a band like this, I thought we would have connected on a lot more. Yeah, I was worried. I, I was thinking that we were going to miss a lot. Because I'm, where, yeah. whereas you're probably more like the, the deep sort of B-side listener, like you appreciate the band more and I'm kind of more on the A-side like uh, the, dude, the radio Dude, I'm digging hits. your crawl uh, uh, Yeah, but but there. again, I'm it's like, that wow. sort of thing of like what's what's kind of like going to rise to the cream of the crop and I yeah. thought, it just, yeah, it's interesting. And it may still. It may still. Alright, uh, let's listen to 1979 Number two overall song by the Smashing Pumpkins. But by the way, do you know what that is? You know the loop that they're playing? It's him saying today, but they're looping it backwards. Yeah, they sampled and stretched the heck out of it to say. make it a... <laughs> but that's what it is. Yeah. I can't imagine the song without it. That kind of made it stand apart. It's just as weird as that is. Yeah. No, yeah. So anyway, let's get back to it. That was our number two. Mm. 1979. Good jam. Yeah. Good tune. Mm, feels good. All right. Drum roll, please, Jake. Our number one song. <laughs> Fresh from Siamese Dream. The song that was their biggest hit of all time. Which was my number one song and Jake's number two song. Mm. Oh, okay. The name of the song is Today. The riff in the beginning is just iconic. Everybody who was alive 
at that time knows that little riff that he plays in the beginning. It's a simple little riff. Why is he looking at me when he says uh, that? <laughs> Just because I don't have it on there. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, seriously, it's, you have some good songs on your list. I really, as I said, I only had one problem with one of your songs on your entire list. Uh, <laughs> the chorus, that big fuzz kind of kick in. Uh, you have to kind of hum along with it. Definitely pop sensibilities in the song, but it has that edge. And I love the guitar fills that are quite different. And this is a Butch Vig thing. Yeah. I didn't know that really until digging into this, that Butch Vig was so heavily involved in the band. I thought he was just Nirvana dude. So I know he did Gish. So he did Siamese Dream. Did he do Infinite Sadness? Gish and Siamese. I, I think, think those so. were yeah. the two yeah. that he did. Billy said when he, he wrote the song, he was really, really suicidal. Yeah. He thought it was funny to write a song that said that this was the greatest day of your life because just the next day was going to be worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you listen to some of the lyrics in it, although it's really happy sounding, and it's really not. Although it was really huge in the U.S. They never released this as a single in the U.S. They released it in a single in a couple of territories. Really? But they wanted people to buy the album, and they did. Yeah. And this made Siamese Dream huge. Probably so, um, such a good, my favorite album, I think, if I had to pick one. Siamese Dream? Yeah. Melancholy, surprisingly, has a lot of songs. I think let's it's a lot up. of filler. To me, Melancholy is a lot of filler. Okay, Jake, the most songs you have on your list yeah. is from Melancholy. Oh, it is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there's a lot of songs there, Jake. Yeah, well, there's so many songs. I mean, <laughs> And Ralph, what do you think your most songs gish. on your well, club? You're a gish. Yeah, gish. gish right? yeah. And, and I had zero from Siamese Dream, which I struggled with. Like, as oh, I'm really? looking at my list, I'm like, wait, yeah. this is an oh, excellent, wow. excellent album. You didn't have any yeah. Siamese Dream, zero, huh? zero. But if, if we extended it to the top eight, I'd probably have two or three. Yeah. <laughs> and I had four on mine off of Melancholy as well, yeah. but not as drastic as Jake with five. It might have just been just when I was introduced to the band. Like I said, I, MTV was in my face and it was just like all these, these songs that become nostalgia. Is this where he's the ice cream man? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the video. Yeah. When he grew up, there was this guy who was on his last day as an ice cream man. So like gave away ice cream. Yeah. Cause he's like, I'm quitting tomorrow. I'm out of business or whatever. And he's just yeah. like, where do you go after being an ice cream man? I mean, come on. Do you go less or do you get a, a higher paying gig or do you go? Uh... I don't know. You, just, you have to stop me when you're passing by. Oh my, my. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> it's such a popular song on radio. Popular mm-hmm. song overall. And most people like my wife, if I play this song first, oh, I know that song. I remember that. No. I know that. And yeah. Yeah. quite frankly, and it's so good that it has that stamp on a generation. Yep. Yeah. This was probably the first song I heard, and I can picture myself in the living room with that video on being 14, probably, mm. and seeing this. Now it's, like I said, nostalgic, enjoyable. Yeah. And this was the song that broke his writer's block. He had this severe writer's block when he was coming into Siamese Dream. So he only wrote like 35 no, no, songs? No, 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 yeah, right. no. But after, but after Gish, he couldn't write anything. Wow. And he had this pressure on him from the record label sure. for this to be a growth album. And this is going to be a big album. It's going to be better than Gish. It's all this other stuff. And he couldn't write anything. And then he just said, well, wouldn't it be funny if I'd write today is the greatest day <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and as soon as that clicked the dam opened up yeah and he went crazy and he wrote a lot of songs there's something about that sort of the intro that delicate 
guitar solo that then it just kind of like slams yeah. into that distorted guitar, which again is kind of their signature sound of, of that sort but of But it's that hook that's it. just so yeah. identifiable. Like you hear those right. notes and everybody knows what song yeah. that is. And it's, like you said, not be kind of light sounding song, but it's pretty dark and desperately it's sad. <laughs> but you yeah. wouldn't think that. And no. most people who listen to it had no idea. No. So let's listen to the number one song of all time by the Smashing Pumpkins today off of Siamese Dream. It sounds like an ice cream truck. Yeah. <laughs> today is the greatest day of Kill Okay, that's our number one. There nice. we go. So we went through our uh, a top. Now let's talk about Miss the Cut. Let's just remind people what our, our Dirty Dozen was. Number 12 was Transformer. Number 11, Super Christ. Number 10, I. Number 9, Siva. Number 8, Disarm. Number 7, I am one. Number 6, Drown. Number five, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Number four, Zero. Number three, Cherub Rock. Number two, 1979. And number one, Today. So there were several songs that missed the cut for each of us. Let's start with Ralph. You ready to go first? So I'm ready. Okay. So Ralph, you missed Bury Me, Hello Kitty Cat, Rhinoceros. I'm surprised Shame. Rhinoceros didn't make uh, the list. Were the boys fear to tread? Mm-hmm. And farewell and good night. Which would you like to talk about? I'm going to go with Hello Kitty Cat, which is off of uh, Pisces Iscariot. And just a hardcore, a lot of fuzz guitar, very distorted uh, vocals from Corgan. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the tempo shifts that uh, Corgan loves. There's none of that here. This is just an all-out jam. Mm-hmm. So... And it actually was first released with our number one song today. Oh, on seriously? The okay, yeah. gotcha. In 93, well, before Pisces came out. So, I thought about including this song, actually, yeah. for a bit, it, it, but it got pushed out. But it, it's a good driving, fuzzed out song. Yep. And I like that long outro guitar solo. Yep. So, Jake, you had a couple songs that were on your list that did not make the list. Geek USA, Ode to No One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I won't talk about the sub, what it's called. <laughs> Tales of a Scorched Earth and a Doomsday Clock. So which would you like to talk yeah. about? I kind of want to lean to Ode to Noam, but I'm going to go with, since I'm the mayor of Geek USA, I think I need to. Got to go okay. with, that with that one. Good jam. I, I like the drums. It's a good driving tempo. This showcases Jimmy Chamberlain, this song. There's a lot of them, dude. His accents emphasize the guitar changes and little nuances. So I think it's a good example of how he and Corgan really complement each other. And the guitar in that solo relationship. is really great, too. Yeah, really good. Heavy groove to the whole song. I think a lot of stone rock bands would kill for this tone. There's something about Smashing Pumpkins' tone. His vocal doesn't match a lot of like the heavy guitar tone that's going on but there really is this is this is a heavy band and no. this is a good a good song to show that so this song was originally called suicide kiss but then they ended up changing it but go figure it's all right a, a weird alternate name but. yeah i guess <laughs> to geek usa to geek usa go figure <laughs> yeah okay that i guess that leaves me uh, well, the songs that i had miss 
was the Everlasting Gaze off of Machina. Uh, Ava Adore. Tristessa. Hmm. Tonight, Tonight. But I think I will go with, just because we haven't really touched on this album at all, the Everlasting Gaze. Mm-hmm. Because the thunder, rich, heavy guitars on the intro. And he actually plays this song through an old crate amp that I used to own. So I think it, I think it may have been a G20 that he just mic'd and he just popped it on our G100. And it was so good. And that, that crate sound is really in there. The riff and the groove, the bass and the drums and the verse work so well. Yeah. The drum fiddles are just so ridiculous. Jimmy's back and it's so good. I like the change of the feel on the chorus. The vocal melodies work. We can never, ever know. The bridge with the rapid fire works so good as well. We all want to hold on the everlasting gaze, enchanted by the rapture of his sentimental sway. But underneath the wheels lie the skulls of every cog, the fickle fascination of an everlasting god. The name of the song originally was Disco King, but obviously it had different lyrics. He <laughs> I actually, think it's because of that sort of like open hi-hat thing that Jimmy yeah. Chamberlain does, because it is, the beat's catchy and danceable, because he does that sort of like the upbeat. That's cool, thing. yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's a big hook. That's, and that's it's drop up. C tuning. Yeah, I love it. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost picked... I, this was kind of in my wheelhouse for a while, too. There's like a growling bass tone. That, yeah. that guitar riff is so super catchy. I don't like the part where it drops out and Billy's just singing that lyric, I think, that you just quoted. But, yeah, but like apart it. from that... It, I always I like, like that, song. though. I always like that. For some reason, that's just yeah. me. But I just don't like his voice. So when yeah. it's okay. just his voice... The <laughs> this is the best uh, song on Machina. Yeah. There's two or three songs on here. This is when Pumpkins kind of starts fading away, for me at least. But uh, this is a very good tune and the best song on uh, mm-hmm. on this album. All right. There we go. Good tune. Good jam. The Smashing yeah. Pumpkins. I wanted to take a quick second. I haven't been doing this for a while, so I wanted to kind of thank people who have been paying attention to us on Facebook. Cool. And I haven't done this for a while, so I'm going to start doing this again. I apologize. Tiffany Wolf, Alex Hennon, Sean Martin. And Aaron White, thank you for participating on our Facebook page. I truly appreciate it. There are so many other people who are, who have been on there. I try to get you as the weeks go on. I'll name a couple of people who are really active. If you start having conversations on there, the more likely you're going to be on this podcast. Once again, Ralph and Jake, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. And Ralph, it's great to have you back, my yeah, friend. Yeah, lo- love uh, being with the OGs here for the Dirty Dozen <laughs> podcast. So, how, how do you like your first threesome? The first threesome <laughs> was was awesome. Wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, this is just it, it's great. I kind of every time I do this sort of thing and I dive deep on these bands, yeah. they're so good. And I find gonna, myself falling in love yeah, with these It's a bands. fun ride, yeah. yeah I want to put you guys on the spot a little bit. So, I I mean, I've only done three or four of these. You guys have done, obviously, 35, 40, or you're up to 52, or, yeah. right? So I've done all 52. Th- yeah. this, <laughs> this band, Smashing Pumpkins, like just diving back into it, like you said, Rob, for the last, you know, I, I've been going at this for six months. You guys don't have that much. I mean, six weeks. You guys don't have that much time to do that, but... 
I really, really enjoyed listening to to the Smashing Pumpkins. Sure. Is there a band you guys can think of that you guys dove back into it and were studying it for a couple of weeks and you're like, wow, this band is just unbelievable. A lot of the bands actually, it's amazing. Give me one. Give me two. Silverchair was I think, the last yeah, one. Most really? recently, I would say Silverchair. Really? Believe I was, it or not, I was shocked. But I thought okay. it would be a piece of cake. I'd be like, I'm going to stick to the first two albums and I'm just going to like be on my way. But yeah. as we dug in, I, I was pulling songs that I was super blown away by some of the newer stuff that I just had no idea that they had been, been and doing the, that. And Scorpions, which is out a couple, yeah. about a month ago at this point, that one was big. And a lot of, even Johnny Cash and uh, all these things, you, you start digging in and it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. from Tom Petty all the way back in yeah. the day to yeah. Mellencamp to NXS to all these yeah. bands we've done through the time. When you get intentional to kind of like focus on an artist and like see what they've done, there's something about it where you're, you can kind of see like, wow, you appreciate it on a different level. Even if you're not like the biggest fan of that person, you yeah. can be like, wow, that's, that's really And amazing. like Smashing Pumpkins it has to be one of the top hundred bands of all time. Yep. And no as doubt. you start running through that, a lot of the bands we've covered are also in that space. So it's kind of, you get through that. Oh my gosh, I remember that. And you start digging into whatever you're digging into. Yeah. And it's because we live like I'm probably worse than anybody because I just shut my life off and I just listen to music and read books and yeah. focus in wholly on the Smashing Pumpkins for the last or three weeks almost. Yeah. So I was really heavy in every interview Every song, every documentary for all of their albums. I pretty much watched all that stuff. Uh, yeah, just enjoyed uh, studying the Pumpkins over the last four weeks. Yes, yeah, they were a sub- they're really yeah. a better band than I thought yes. they were going in. Yeah, yeah. They're totally with you. And I love that about this. And I love the fact that we can... And I hope you guys are out there too, kind of digging into these bands like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard them and listen to those albums for a couple of weeks and uh, listen to them on Spotify and give them a little, you know, pennies on the dollar granted, but uh, do what you can. And if you love an album, buy the LP for all and whatever you need. So, but yeah, this is so much fun. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening, yeah. everybody out there, making it this far in the podcast. We have so much goodness coming down the pike. Genesis in two weeks, which is a little small undertaking. <laughs> and uh, we'll have that. And we have a lot of metal coming up down the pike. In a while, we're going to be doing Pantera and Five Finger Death Punch down the, down the line. Much and later, yeah. And uh, all this stuff. So it's, it should be fun. And thank you all for being here check us out on Facebook. Tell your friends. That's all. Only thing I ask is if you guys can tell one person who would like this, that would be great. And let's just grow this organically. Uh, we love you guys and grow this community and I will see you in two weeks. God bless. See you then.